We've been in a series called Famous Last Words. Now, before I unpack what I've got in my heart for you today, because today, i got to be honest with you guys, you, you picked a great day to come, but what I've got for you today is very weighty. Come on, turn to somebody and say, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. So it's going to be a little heavy on you today. So before we go down that road, uh, I ran across a story just past week. It's actually a true story of a guy that was in an automobile accident. He goes into the hospital, and the doctor comes in looking very puzzled. And he's like, man, you were in an automobile accident. Why is there burn marks all on your neck? Like, what is up with that? And the guy said, well, doctor, you're not going to believe this, but, you know, we've got several dogs around the house, and we, we, my wife and I were on the front porch. We, we bought a new dog collar. And it's got one of them zappers on it. So, you know, it really zaps them. And, and we wanted to test it out because I didn't want to put something on my animal that I thought was going to really endanger them. He said, so I told my wife, I'm going to put it on my neck. And uh, because I want to get the distance to see how far this thing is really accurate for, he says, I'm going to get in my truck. I'm going to drive over the hill. And when I honk my horn, I want you to zap it. And let's just see if it works. So sure enough, he did. He gets in his truck, drives over the hill. His wife can't see the truck anymore. He honks the horn. Well, buddy, she zapped him. Zapped him so hard, this guy is almost unconscious. So he is unconscious. He's driving half unconscious. So he starts swerving in the middle of the road. Well, there's another car coming towards him. And so if you're a car, you're driving down the road, and somebody's swerving, what are you going to do? So here's the other car. The other car starts laying on the horn. She zaps my man again. So at this time, he's really almost completely unconscious. He's still in the middle of the road. Here comes another car. And what do you do if somebody's swerving in your direction? Wife still not knowing what's going on. She just literally laid on it that time until my brother was completely unconscious, wrecked his truck, The rest is history. Turn to your neighbor and just say, why? Why? Why would you do that? We're in a series called Famous Last Words. And in this series, we find ourselves at the foot of the cross. We find ourselves at a place called Calvary, Golgotha, the skull. The place where Jesus' life ended, but where ours began. And really, that's kind of the starting point for all of us. That's the genesis of our spiritual journey, if you will. And it's the place where Jesus came to bear our sins, to bear our shame, to bear our debt, to take on all of our lawless deeds because sin separated us from God. So what's the penalty for sin? It's death. Something had to die. And so Jesus came in and took our place. So you understand That Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Come on. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And quite honestly, that's the reason for the cross. That's the reason why we find ourselves where we are. And and, and it's amazing because during this six-hour time period that Jesus was hanging on the cross, He spoke seven times. Seven statements from the cross, and I love what Proverbs 25, 11 says. It says, the right word spoken at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. 
So you can actually say that these words spoken by Jesus on the cross during this time were custom-made words for you and I. And so I love this. And so we've been spending some time looking at these statements. And so here we are again. We find ourselves really what I would consider the middle of the statements. Out of all of the statements that Jesus made, these seven statements, we find ourselves at the center of it all, if you will, but it's also the most dramatic. And we find it in Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, verse 33 and 34. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say wait a minute. All right, you got it. Mark chapter 15, verse 33, 34 says, Now when the sixth hour has come, and you understand what it's talking about when it says the sixth hour That's 12 o'clock noon. I want you to remember that. I want you to put that in your brain and remember the significance, like our day today, of 12 o'clock noon. It was 12 o'clock noon on the sixth hour and something happened. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, we love you today. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for the privilege to be in your house, the the awesome opportunity to come in here and and, and be led into worship, being kind of led into your presence, if you will. And Lord, we know you're here, and we thank you for the words that you spoke. They're precious. Do they not become the most precious words of all? And God, we honor you. And we recognize that and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. These words at this point in time on the cross spoken by Jesus are really the climax, if you will. Out of all seven statements, this is by far the most dramatic, the most forceful, the most intense part of the crucifixion. But what's really happening in these hours, I think we also have to acknowledge that our understanding is, is, is limited to what really was taking place. I think we have to acknowledge that. And it's amazing. One writer said this. He said, there's a hopelessness and an awful terror to this scene. Charles Spurgeon said that this is by far the saddest words ever spoken from the cross. See, up till now, Jesus has been focused He's had his wits about him. He's maintained composure even in the midst of the suffering and and the enormous pain that he was experiencing right now. He's, He's been focused, but here's what you need to understand. He's not focusing on himself. He's focusing on all of those who are around the scene at this point in time. So he he spoke the first words was simply a prayer to the Father. Praying, God, forgive those who are doing this. Forgive those who are crucifying me. And then he spoke to his neighbor beside him. A neighbor who just moments before blasphemed his name. And here's Jesus offering a pardon to him. And then he speaks to his mother. He speaks to John. He makes sure his mother is taken care of. But these words drastically change the scene. See, the text said that it was high noon and yet the sun grew dark. I mean, think about that. At a time during the day when the sun should have been at its brightest, it was dark. 
And there Jesus was when that clock struck 12, that darkness came over the land, and he sat there for three hours on the cross suffering in darkness and in silence. And somewhere around 3 o'clock, he, he breaks his silence with this cry, My God, my God, why? Why, God, have you forsaken me? And I think before we go any further, we have to recognize that there is a significance of such a dark sky. One writer said this, it's almost as though the sun refused to look on such a deed of shame. And really, if you think about it, it's kind of fitting that, that in these moments on the cross, there would be darkness because Jesus actually came to turn off the dark in our lives. But in order to do that, he would have to have his own life extinguished. Theologians describe what's happening in these three hours as the crucifixion within the crucifixion. And I believe at this point, it's, it's almost as if the sins of the world were being placed upon Jesus. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Someone who had never done or said anything wrong. And yet at this point in time, every wrong thing that every person who had ever lived and who was ever going to live was being put on Him in this moment as though Jesus Himself had committed every sin, every transgression, every lawless deed that has ever been done in history starting all the way back from the Garden of Eden. Fast forwarding all the way to the end of time. It was in these moments that every sin was being placed on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we, you and I, could be the righteousness of God in him. And none of this is surprising because the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied this day was come. In Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 it says, the Messiah shall be cut off but not for himself. And the most well-known scripture is Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, where it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was what? He was all of this for something. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes... We are healed. And then to fast forward, the New Testament apostles, they actually affirmed after the fact that this wasn't something just prophesied about, but it actually happened in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Much like Isaiah, it says, who himself, he's talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for the righteousness by whose stripes... We are healed. And you understand that these moments leading up to the cross, there was this, this dread that kind of filled our Savior so much so that just one week before He was to die, in John chapter 12, verse 27, here's what He says, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came into this hour. So you understand the cross wasn't just an afterthought for Jesus. The, the cross was the reason for the mission. It was the reason why he came. And, and even though it filled him with dread, he was willing to go through all of this. Why? 
Because God made a promise that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when man first sinned. And he says, my son is going to come born of a virgin woman. And his heel is going to get bruised. That's talking about the cross. And he's going to crush the head of the devil. That was his mission. So even though it was dread and shame and suffering, knowing that all of this was coming, he still did it. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in these moments, Jesus was forsaken by his father for us. Turn to somebody and say, you, you. But if you think about rejection and and Jesus, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Because rejection was nothing new to Jesus. Even when he was first born, you remember he was rejected. There's no room in the inn. There's a stable act back. You got to go. And this was actually a perfect picture of the life of our Savior. Because he would go on to be rejected by his siblings. He was rejected by the nation of Israel. He was rejected by the Jewish leaders who knew the prophecies and should have pointed that out and should have witnessed that and saw that and recognized this is it. But they still rejected him. He was abandoned by his disciples who slept when they should have been praying and who ran away when the soldiers showed up. He was betrayed by Judas. He was denied by his best friend Peter. And so he was rejected every step of the journey. But that was okay. But now, this is worse than anything could have ever happened. To actually be separated from his father as he hung on the cross. His father who he and Jesus were in perfect fellowship with. Jesus even said, my father and I, we're one. But in these moments to actually be separated from the father. And it was in these moments that he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Someone once said, when you look at the hours on the cross... You're literally looking into hell, darkness, loneliness, and abandonment by God. And I began to think to myself, God, why, why, Jesus, did you have to experience all this? Why did did it happen? What is the reason for it? And, And I began to understand that Jesus experienced darkness so we could have light. He experienced separation so that nothing could ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He experienced distance so we would draw near to Him in full assurance. He experienced shame so we could have honor. He died so we could live. And that, my friends, is the beauty of the gospel. That's what it's all about. And here is the most amazing thing about this scene. As much as Jesus dreaded it, If there would have been any other way, and that right there tells you there was no other way. I mean, think about it, because he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, Lord, if there's any other way, and don't you think if there was any other way for us to be saved, that God would have said, okay, son, that's fine, let's do something else. But we live in a culture that says there's many ways to get to heaven. We live in a culture that says, oh, it's okay, You could just be good and it'll be all right. But you understand that if just being good would have got us to heaven, picture Jesus in the garden and he's sweating blood, thinking about picking up the cross. Don't you think if being good was an option that God would have said, okay, son, just tell him to be good. There was no other way, guys. There was no other way. 
And that's why Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says there was a joy. Look at the wording here. There's a joy that's set before him. There's something joyous. There's something that's pushing him into the mission that says, Man, my back is going to be being flesh hanging off, blood loss, carrying the upper tier of the cross, hanging on a cross for six hours. All of this, there's a joy that's pushing him as he endured the cross and despising the shame. And you know what the joy was? Turn to somebody and say, You! The joy that was set before him is you and me. We are the joy set before him. Jesus comforted himself on the cross just thinking about us the whole time. Why? Because he didn't want us to be cut off. He didn't want us in outer darkness. He didn't want us lost forever. He didn't want us just wandering around aimlessly with no passion and no desire and no purpose in life. He didn't want you cutting yourself and hurting yourself and popping pills and running to a bottle. He wanted you to have life and life more abundantly. You are the joy that was set before Jesus. Give God a big hand clap of praise right there. It's amazing because even though Jesus died on the cross, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks that that's not where the story ended because he laid down his life, but he took his life back up again and he lives forever and ever and ever. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus turned off the dark. He turned off the dark for you and for me. And again, I think in thinking about this scene, it would... It would be impossible to really put into words everything that was going on at this point in time. And many theologians have tried to figure it out. Many people have tried to work it out. But here's kind of my philosophy on all of that. I don't think we need to try to figure it out. I don't think we need to work it out. I don't think working it out is the answer. I think worship is the answer. When you look at the cross, the only thing that comes to my mind is worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb, the Lord God Almighty, who is worthy of praise and glory and honor and blessings. That's what I see when I look at the cross I don't need to figure it all out it just happened for us and I begin to think about that statement why my God my God why in in the middle of the statement there is the most amazing question why and I believe there's a couple of takeaway truths that we can get from This thought of why, and here's the first thing I thought about, is that Jesus overcame despair by rushing to God in it. Jesus overcame despair by rushing to God in that despair, in that pain, in that suffering. He overcame it by rushing to God. We see it even in the scripture, Matthew 27, 46, kind of repeating what's being said in Mark. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You understand that's him rushing to God. My God, my God, he's rushing to God and he's in despair. Why have you forsaken me? Now, the question that I have is why? Why is Jesus asking the question why here? Think about in your own life. Think about your own experiences. Think about what we go through as human beings. What do we do? What's the first thing out of our mouths when we go through moments of despair? 
When we go through times in our lives, we can't understand, we can't explain it. There's a tragedy, there's a suffering, there's something that happens, and we can't wrap our mind around it. What do we say? Why? Why? Why would a God of love allow these things to happen? Why is there so much pain in the world? Why didn't I leave a few minutes earlier? Why do so many good people die so young? Why all the pain? Why all the heartache? Why all the sickness? Why do my children go through what they go through? Why does God answer some prayers but doesn't answer others? Have you ever asked the question, why? Why? In these moments of, of, of chaos, in these moments when, when the world just sucks the wind out of us, we tend to ask the question, why? And so I think it's fitting that, that in the greatest moment of despair, Jesus would ask the question, why? But here's what I want you to see. He's not asking why for himself. He's asking why for us. Because he's our representative. And as our representative, he stood before God and asked the question that is quite honestly burning in all of our hearts ever since sin marked the world. He asked God, why on our behalf? For all the things that we don't understand. For all the moments that we walk through and the trials and tragedies and the things that just happen and how you're going through life and everything is great and grand. And all of a sudden something takes place, an accident, uh, you know, whatever. Something happens and it's, God, why? Jesus is asking why for all of us. But he doesn't stop there. He also modeled for us what to do in our why. He said, my God, my God. So when we're in circumstances, where we're in situations and we don't know why things are happening the way they are, we don't know why we're having to go through this and why I'm having to go through that and why this and why that. When we're going through that, you know what we have to do? We have to hold on to God with both hands. Turn to somebody and say both hands. That's why he said, my God, my God. He said it twice. You got to hold on to God with both both hands he rushed to God in the midst of his despair and in so doing he overcame that despair and so can we did I say it was going to be easy absolutely not it's difficult when you're on that journey right it's difficult when you receive that phone call. It's difficult when you're walking through the tremendous pain. It's difficult. But hear me today. Hear my heart today, guys. Don't ever let go of what you know for what you don't know. Let me say that again. Don't ever let go of what you know for what you don't know. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why I'm battling this. I don't understand the heartache. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand all of this. But here's what I know. And listen, the why is real. It's real. But here's what I know. God still loves me. He's still on the throne. He's still working all things out for my good and for His glory. He's still doing what only He can do. He's still a God that loves you. And He's working on your behalf. And God sent His Son Jesus to take your why and nail it to the cross. Give God a big hand clap of praise right there. Turn to somebody and say, hold on with both hands. Hold on with both hands. Don't ever let go of the promise. 
Don't ever let go of what you know for what you don't know. Hold on to God with both hands and rush to Him in your despair. And God can give you a comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can't describe it, right? You you can't describe it. You don't even know how to put it in words. All you know is, God, there's a peace inside of me that knows that I know that I know that I know. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So the first thing I really grab out of this scripture, I think that is for all of us to, to put it in our hearts, to put it in our lives, is we have to be willing to rush to God in the midst of our despair. Here's the second takeaway, and I want this to really land in your heart today. We never need to doubt God's love again. We've got to rush to God in the midst of the despair. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the heartache, but because of Jesus, I never, I know this, I never need to doubt God's love again. And isn't that what the cross tells us? Has there ever been a greater show of love anywhere at any time for anything? Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Love the scripture. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. I'm not willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But watch what God did. He showed not just his love. What's the word say? Come on, say say it like you mean it. You watch it online, put it in the chat box, say it like you mean it. He showed his great love for us. By doing what? By sending his son Jesus Christ to die. Not when we're good. Not when we got it all figured out. But to die while we were sinners. We're still figuring this thing out and... We're still roaming here and roaming there. And I don't really understand it. And I don't know what's going on. But Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. And you know what? The words that I hear spoken, not just the physical words of Jesus. But you know what I really hear reverberating from the cross that day? I love you. I love you. I love you. How can we not Look at the story at the cross and understand how much God loves us. Romans 8.32 It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about God. It says that He, talking about God, did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for who? All. Since the beginning of time to the end of time. God gave his best for you. And he gave his best for me. I don't doubt his love. I'm not going to let go of something I know. Or something I don't know. Don't get me wrong, we can go through faith and we can talk about all that. That's an entirely different subject. But I'm talking about in this moment, regardless of where you are, regardless of 
of what's going on in your life. And, and man, I, I just got to be honest with you. I, you online, you here, I, I feel some pain today. I, I, I can't describe it. I can't put it in. I feel some hurt. I feel your pain. And my prayer is that this word would illuminate your hearts in this moment to rush to God. Bring your why to God. You understand He's big enough to handle it. He can handle your why. Why? When we planted this church and the Sunday I was up here preaching Sanctuary was totally different. I was actually over there preaching on the stage. And my son was having a seizure in the nursery. He just started having seizures. He was with my mom at Chuck E. Cheese. He, he had a seizure. He stopped breathing. And I remember... That Sunday going home, knowing that I'm doing what God called me to do and I'm preaching the word and I'm, I'm giving it all I've got. And my son is literally less than 20 foot away from me through a wall that is holding on for his life. And I'm preaching. You think I didn't go home and ask God why? You think I didn't go home and say, God, what's going on here? I, I don't understand. I'm doing what you call me to do. What? Why? You think I didn't do that? Of course I did. But I remember in that moment, Misty and I just simply came together and we said, baby, I said, baby, we're going to just hold on to God with both hands. I don't know what it means. I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to hold on to God. And we did. And I'm not going to tell you that Overnight, he was healed, and he, he's healed now. Praise God. We just woke up one day, no more seizures. Amen? But it didn't happen overnight. But I just remember in that moment, Misty and I coming together, we're praying, we're, we're trusting God, and I just remember this peace. It just came over us. Man, your wives are real. Man, this is such a heavy topic, right? Your wives are real. But you got to run to God with them. You got to run to God with them. And you got to look at the cross and say, Lord, this is what I know. You, you love me. And what concerns me concerns you. And I don't have, a, I don't have it all figured out. I, again, I, I don't think there's any way we can ever really comprehend what it meant for those hours, that specific time on the cross with all of the sin and, and whatever else is happening. I, I don't think we can figure it all out. And I think it speaks volumes to us in life. There's things we're not going to figure out. There's times we got to why. But God, I'm running to you. Holding on. Come on. Both hands. I'm not letting go. And I'm hearing and I love you. I love you. I love you from the cross. Stand with me all over the house.
God, thank you. For moments like this, no doubt this is one of the heaviest messages we've, we've probably had in a while around here. But, but there was a heaviness in your heart as you sat on the cross that day. As you thought about us. As you thought about Aiden, my son. As you thought about Caleb, as you thought about Lane and Samantha, you thought about Misty, you thought about Hazel, you thought about Thomas, you thought about Costa, you thought about Mr. Beasley, you thought about every single one of us, Brian and Kevin and Lord, whatever it is, mention your name. You thought about us, you were thinking about us on that day, and because of us, it was called the joy, knowing That you had to give your life so we could have life. I love you, Father. And my prayer, Lord, is that those watching online today, those that are in the house today, that we would hear those words coming into our hearts, into our minds, into our ears. Lord, into our very being. I love you. I love you. I love you. And so if you're here today, if you're here watching online, and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, then I want to pause for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Help me to receive you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me new. This is a new day for you. And so if you're online right now and you mean business with God, can I tell you something? He means business with you. And so if you're choosing today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, in the chat box, there's a a link there. I want you to connect. Just click on that link. And again, that's if you're a first time, if you've got prayer requests. But just let us know, hey, I've chosen to receive Christ today. If you don't want to do the link, just go in the chat box and say, hey, today's my day. I chose to receive him. If you're in the house today and you're being business with God, would you just be willing to lift a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to give him my heart. I'm ready to give him my life. I want to give him everything I got. Just pray this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I believe that you went to the cross. You died the third day, but that wasn't the end of the story. You you rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and giving me an opportunity to be reconnected with God the Father. And so, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart today and help me to receive you. I just want to receive you today. I want to live for you. I want to shout it from the rooftop. God, I resign as CEO of my life today in Jesus' name. Now, for those of you that are dealing with a why moment in your life right now, and could you just slip a hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Those of you online, Father, in the name of Jesus. Why is a legitimate question. We all 
at some point in time in our journey on this thing called earth, we have a why. For a lot of times, Lord, the, the why that we have, there's, there's no answer for it on this side of heaven. So God, in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our why, we're going to hold on to you with both hands. And we're going to run to you in our despair. Comfort our hearts, comfort our souls. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Can you give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house today?